Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, I hope you had a good weekend, and I hope that this new week is off to a great start. I hope that you are looking forward to celebrating the Reformation, because after all, it's going to be October 31st. And what would be better to celebrate than the fact that God so magnificently intervened in the history of the church as to remind his people of the truthfulness of his word, the beauty of the gospel, the glories of his grace, the necessity of faith and the meaning of faith for that matter, and of course, the fact that all the glory belongs to him. We talked last Friday with my son Andrew about the five great solas of Reformation faith and of our history. I realize that there are people who listen to this broadcast who come from a variety of traditions and backgrounds and are not necessarily familiar with some of these doctrines, not necessarily familiar with this history. But folks, I want you to understand, we're not trying to slam anybody. We're not trying to go against somebody. We're just trying to be real clear about proclaiming very, very, very important truths. And uh, if you question what we're saying, that's fine. If you want to call in and say, I disagree, and here's why, I will be glad to share even your disagreements on the air, and then I'll, of course, explain to everybody why you're wrong if you disagree with us. <laughs> but, um, but I would welcome your comments, welcome your questions, welcome your input, and it may, in fact, for many of you, spark some further questions. That would be good. That's not a bad thing. So feel free to contact us at one 41 abide that's 866-41-ABIDE. You can call us toll-free, and we'd be glad to take your message and try and respond as best we're able. Today, I have my son Andrew back in the studio with us. I asked if he would please come back so that we could look at each of these five areas of critical truth more closely. And uh, that works out very nicely given the days of the week, doesn't it? We're going to be talking about Sola Scriptura today. We're going to be talking about the uniqueness of Christ, the fact that he is the only way tomorrow. We're going to be talking about grace alone, not grace plus our effort that gets us to God. That's what we're going to talk about on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, it's not faith plus works. It is faith that works. And uh, we'll talk about those doctrines. And finally, on Friday, wrapping it up with the fact that all the glory belongs to God alone. It's not glory to God plus me. Hey, has anybody seen me? It's glory to God alone. And so, starting us off today, Andrew, thank you so much for being back in the studio with me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. 
For those of you who missed Friday's program, you can go back and get it on the web. But uh, my son, Andrew, is my third child. He is the youngest of my natural-born children. Best of all, he is supernaturally reborn by Mm. God's grace and therefore is not just my son. He is my dear brother in Christ, and I am so thankful for his partnership in the gospel. Andrew came to the Lord early in life and has lived a life that has been devoted to the Lord. He would hasten to say that it's by no means been perfect, but I'll tell you this, he's been a remarkable, consistent, loving follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I don't just have to take his word for it. I've watched him grow up, and I've watched his determination to live for Jesus and to serve the Lord. And I am so grateful for the example of his humility and the example of his faith. And so, Andrew, again, I'm very, very grateful you're here. Talk to us about what we're saying when we say sola scriptura. Sola scriptura is the Latin phrase, scripture alone. And when the Reformers use that phrase, they were talking about the fact that Scripture alone is the final authority for faith and practice. And so everything, all of life, all the things we experience, all the teachings that we hear need to come under Scripture. And if they don't correspond with Scripture, if they go against Scripture, then they should be uh, disbelieved, and we should always go with Scripture. And so some will counter with that, especially Roman Catholics, uh, and those were the ones that the Reformers were debating at the time when this phrase came about. And they would, they would argue, the Roman Catholics, well, no, no, where did... Uh, scripture doesn't even present that view of itself. You know, where, where, where can you show me that Scripture presents itself as the final authority? And the Reformers and Bible-believing Christians, really through all ages, have seen Jesus himself, have looked at Scripture uh, for what it is, and now, it, did, and it presents Jesus, itself. Where did Jesus say that? Where did Jesus show this attitude toward the Scripture? Over and over and over, when he is uh, talking, when he is making interchanges with people, when he's... Uh, being tempted by the devil, he says, it is written, have you not read? And so he is continually appealing to Scripture as the final authority. That's, that's what settles the matter. If Scripture says it, that, that means God says it. And we see this clearly in Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all Scripture is God-breathed, theopneustos. There's nothing else that is said uh, in, in that way. That's actually the only time that phrase is used. And he's saying this is uniquely God's Word. Well, let's, let's look at something else Peter mm-hmm. says, too, if we could. In Acts chapter 1, Um, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. This is verse 15 of Acts chapter 1. And here's what he said, verse 16. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. 
Now, again, I mean, there's that just that little bit from Peter is so instructive mm-hmm. because he says two things. Number one, the scripture had to be fulfilled. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the scripture cannot be broken. The scripture is the word of God. Amen. And that's his attitude toward it. So if if you believe that Peter's authority is authoritative, then you really ought to take seriously what Peter says. And what Peter says is the scripture had to be fulfilled. But then notice why. Mm-hmm. Why does he hold that view of scripture? Because here's what scripture is. It's scripture which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David. That's right. So David was not the only speaker involved. David was the one through whom the Holy Spirit spoke. Scripture is God-breathed. It is not just the word of man. Mm -hmm. It is unique. And that's why certain things are part of the Bible and certain things are not part of the Bible. But now, Andrew, in the early days of the church, they didn't have the whole New Testament. When the book of Acts was being written, they didn't have the rest of the New Testament. They had some letters that were in circulation, and the book of Acts was being written by the fellow who'd written the gospel Mm -hmm. according to Luke. So you had parts of the New Testament, but you didn't have the whole thing. At some point, believers had to come together and... I'm, I'm going to deliberately misstate what they did. They had to come together and create the Bible, right? <laughs> did they create the Bible? No, sir, they did not. That, and that's, that's definitely the Roman Catholic position, that the church created Scripture, and that is flatly against Scripture when it says in Psalm 119, because you have this whole question of the canon, which is a very good question, how did we get these 66 books? Mm-hmm. Why is it that we, Protestants and the Jews, don't accept the Apocrypha? Mm-hmm. And so that's a really, really good question. But in Psalm 119, verse 89, very simply, the author says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So the canon was completely in the mind of God forever. There wasn't any question of what's it going to be? Oh, well, the church just has to come up with something. Uh, The Jews did their part, and now in the New Testament, the church does their part. No, forever your word is settled in heaven. And by the way, Psalm 119 is another great example of Scripture alone being the final authority because it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and the whole thing is about Scripture. It's a tribute to Scripture and how when we stray from Scripture, we will inevitably be destroyed. So you've got the eternal perspective of Scripture, the canon being settled, but then in space and time, as this is unfolding, um, there's something else going on. And Paul hits on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 36. He says, Was it from you that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's, 
commandment. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So what Paul is saying and can easily be um, carried over to this whole discussion Mm -hmm. is the fact that the church did not give Scripture authority. The church recognized the authority that Scripture already had, and that's the key difference between the Roman Catholic view and the biblical view. Well, so you're saying then, if we were to take that same attitude, that that Benjamin Franklin did not create electricity, he only discovered it? Exactly. The fact that I discover something or recognize something doesn't then make me the source. Right. And so the church is not the source of the Bible. Exactly. The church is that group of people that recognizes the authority of God displayed in his word. Is that right? Exactly. And, and the, that leads to another question. Well, well I mean, how, how could that be? How did, they, how did they do that? I mean, what are the odds? And people who ask that kind of question don't understand or don't want to accept the sovereignty of God. Right. That God is the one who is absolutely controlling all of history and determined that his church would recognize. And Jesus himself says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So God's people were able to hear and see what was God's word. And God made sure that that was going to happen. Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Did you know that along with being an excellent Bible teacher, Pastor Wood has authored over a dozen books? We'd like to encourage you to visit PastorWood.org for resources and books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife Susan. You can also listen to or download teachings by Pastor Wood 24-7. Please visit PastorWood.org today. That's PastorWood.org. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the now, Jerome is revered by Roman Catholics as great Saint Jerome, I think. Right. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think they've taken away his sainthood. As I recall, uh, Saint Jerome is, is elevated pretty high. And, and yet Jerome distinguished between the canonical books, those that are really part of the Bible, and those that are in a little different category. He called them what? Deuterocanonical. Okay, and something that is a second um, standard, something that's important, but not on a level with Scripture, and that's what he considered the apocrypha. Did the Jews recognize the apocryphal they, books? No, as, sir. They so did the not. Jews didn't recognize it. Jerome said these books are not on the same level with exactly. the other books. And so, what Protestants did in not accepting that as part of Scripture, as part of the Holy Bible, was not really some radical departure. No, sir. It was really an, a reaffirmation and upholding of that which the believers together agreed was Scripture. There's not anything in the Protestant Bible that is not in the Roman Catholic Bible. Right. Well, I had a, an email from uh, one of our listeners who said that her husband really wants her to use um, the Roman Catholic Bible. He's a Roman Catholic. He wants his children to be brought up Roman Catholic. 
And um, therefore, he wants the instruction of the children to be done using one of the Roman Catholic translations. And she was writing to me and asking about that. My response was, uh, use the Roman Catholic Bible. Because the wonderful thing is, if you go to the Roman Catholic Bible and you look up all the passages that I would say are absolutely critical to understanding the five solas, including the translation in the Roman Catholic Bibles of what it says about Scripture, you will find that the Roman Catholic translations of the Bible totally support the five solas. They totally support the fact that Scripture is uniquely inspired and absolutely authoritative, and that when it comes down to how people in the Bible decided questions of true and false, right and wrong, Scripture's the authority. Mm -hmm. And so I I would say don't be afraid to use a Roman Catholic translation if that's an issue of, of debate in your home. And when I've had the privilege of introducing some Roman Catholics to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ over the years, I have always encouraged them to use the, you know, go get your Bible, bring it here, let's look this up together. And the reason is I don't want them wondering afterwards, well, I, I, you know, I know he showed me that in black and white on the printed page, but <laughs> how do I know that that's really true? I want them to have it right there in their Bible. They can make a note. This is what it says, because the fact of the matter is God has preserved his word. Amen. God has preserved his word. We're dealing here, as Andrew said, with a sovereign God who wants to display his glory and point people to Jesus Christ, which is what the whole of Scripture is about. The Old and New Testament are about Jesus. Amen. And so we want people to find out for themselves. And friends, if if you're listening, you may be a Roman Catholic priest. So was Martin Luther, okay? (laughs) I'm not telling you you've got to leave the priesthood or you've got to leave the Roman Catholic Church. What I'm saying to you is this. Know that when it comes to knowing what's true, you don't just go by that little voice inside your head. You don't just go by what some guy on the radio says. Mm-hmm. You go by what Scripture says. Amen. If I say something that is contrary to Scripture, I'm wrong. But please, please, if I say something to you that's contrary to what you've always thought or you've always felt or you've always been taught, get your Bible and search it out, and ask God to show you. We're not dealing with a mm-hmm. dead book. The Bible is alive. Amen. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged yes. sword, and God will use it in your life. God's word will not return to him void, but will accomplish that for which he sent it. And so I, I've had people, liberal Protestants, never had a Roman Catholic say this to me, but I've had liberal Protestants say to me, well, you're a bibliolater. You worship the Bible. I do not worship the Bible. I worship God. Amen. I worship God alone. But when it comes to what God says, I know that God doesn't lie. God never lies. And so when God says something, I don't just feel like, well, I can take that to the bank. I can stake my life on it. Mm-hmm. I can stake my eternity on it. Everything God says is true. And therefore, when it comes to deciding, is this right or is this wrong? Mm -hmm. What should I believe about this particular doctrine? I don't just get out a bunch of commentaries. I love one of the things Luther said. He said to his students, his young students, (laughs) read the Bible 
it will shed considerable light on the commentaries. <laughs> now, the commentaries were books written to try and help explain the Bible. And Luther reminded his students, those books have limited effectiveness. The book you really need to know, the book you need to memorize is the Word of God. Amen. It is the Bible. Amen. Andrew, sola scriptura does not mean that there are no other authorities. That's right. It means that Scripture, scripture alone is the final authority. And I want to point out several other scriptures. Uh, there's this question of, does the church define Scripture, or does Scripture define the church? And we would argue, biblically, Scripture defines everything. Mm -hmm. And as an example of the church, Scripture defining the church, First Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 23 and following, For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. And right along with what you were saying, God preserving his word. This is quoting the Old Testament. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. And so it's, it's a guarantee uh, that God will preserve his word. We don't necessarily have the original manuscripts, meaning we don't have First uh, Peter Greek text that Peter put pen to ink and, and, and the Holy Spirit inspired that original text. But God has preserved by his spirit copies of, and even translations mm -hmm. all the way to our present time so that what we have today is his word. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many people try and destroy it, um, it will remain. It will be preserved. Another very important verse uh, or verses for Sola Scriptura, Second Peter chapter 1, talking about uh, just how important this is starting in verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic Word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Now this part right here. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so right there, Scripture is more sure than even an eyewitness account, which the eyewitness account is critical. But with Scripture, we have something that's even higher than that. Amen. It's God's Word that He gave, and because it's coming directly from Him, it cannot err. Amen. It's perfect, and it can't fail. We're going to be talking about the nature of the gospel and why it is absolutely essential if you want a good passage to do for homework, look at the opening verses of 1 Corinthians 15, because that brings it home 
over and over and over. We believe these things which happened according to the scriptures. Amen. That's the apostolic That's message. That's right. It is based on the authority of God in his word. So when we say sola scriptura, we're not making up some new thing. Once again, the church recognized what God said and what God was doing all along. That's all we've got time for today. We're going to be back tomorrow, God willing, to talk about Solus Christus, Christ alone. We'll be back tomorrow night. Don't miss it. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments you want to make, I want to invite all of you to contact us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. 